All right, well, try to stay on schedule today. But I got exciting news. This is going to be our first study going through the book of 1 John. And we're going to just journey through the book of 1 John together. I was going to do John, but then I was like, what's a shorter version of John? 1 John! So (laughs) I'm actually pretty excited about it. the Lord was really speaking to me. And uh, what I really like about the f- book of 1 John is it's, it's a sermon. A, a lot of the other letters of, of John and Paul, they're, they're really written as letters, whereas 1 John is written more as a sermon. Uh, it, was, it was teaching people and encouraging people in things that they already knew. But we'll get into that as we kind of get through. And it also makes for nice, short little encouragements because our real purpose um, for Wednesday nights isn't necessarily deep theological, you know, bring in the thunder teachings. Uh, It's going to be a simple encouragement and then a chance to practice and live that out um, with prayer, praying with each other, breaking into small groups, laying hands on each other, and doing the things that maybe we've just been encouraged to or letting that kind of guide us in our in our thing. And so it's designed to be scary and intimidating, and that's why very few people come on Wednesdays, because only the hardcore, only the real hardcore people are going to be excited about it, because it's scary. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, is how scary it is. All right, so let's pray. Jesus, thanks for... Um, your word, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would now reveal into our hearts what you would want to say to us, that you would open our hearts and cut through the deadness and the hardness and even the um, preconceptions. Um, Lord, I pray that you would do a great work tonight of freedom. I pray that you would break chains in our hearts. Lord, we are uh, we're gathering here because uh, we're faithful to you but Lord, more because you're faithful to us and we are your children and we want to spend time with our daddy and we thank you that you would give us such a great and powerful word tonight um, to to spend time with. So please speak to us now. Amen. Amen. So our little talk tonight is called Koinonia Makes You Happy. Does that remind you of a song? I don't know. Someone, I posted it today on Facebook, and someone said it reminded them of a song from the 70s, but I don't know. Koinonia makes you happy. Does anyone know what the word koinonia means? Um, no. <laughs> it means hanging out. It, well, um, together, okay. You're good. You're going down. Togetherness. There's a good way to describe it. You said fellowship. Cool. That's a real big church word. That we don't say, Nathan, would you like to go to the sports bar and fellowship with me? That seemed kind of weird. So hang out is an, is an okay way to just go in the right direction. Okay, koinonia. And so what we're going to see tonight is an open invitation to scary koinonia but it will actually make you happy. Scary koinonia. So we're going to start in 1 John chapter 1 and the first four verses. 
I'm going to read it to you guys right now. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship, and that's the word koinonia in the Greek, with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, I read that like a total weirdo. Do you know why I read it like a total weirdo? <clears throat> huh? Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Exactly, exactly. He, he's very intentional about groups of people. There's the we group of people, and the we group of people he's talking about are the disciples and the people who actually touched Jesus, who were hanging out with Jesus, who were, had, were friends with Jesus. And then he's got these you group of people that he is now inviting into the same relationship, into the same circle. See, we are built for relationships, every single one of us. And some of us are really good at relationships, and some of us are really awful at relationships. I'm not pointing any fingers at all. But we're, it doesn't change the fact that we are incomplete and deficient without proper relationships. We can't, you can't make it on your own. There are no lone wolves that really succeed because that's not the way God made us. Facebook is a big deal in people's lives because of relationships. Writing letters used to be a big deal in people's lives because it fostered relationships. Cell phones and texts, texting is a huge deal in our world because of relationships. People don't like not having relationships. And so it's, it becomes a really important thing. You get a text, you get a the text buzz or your phone buzzes, and it is like a, a, a deep-rooted impulse to reach in your pocket and pull out that cell phone and see who wants relationship with me. Oh, it's my mom. Oh, how disappointing. Or whatever, you know, maybe you love your mom and you're excited when your mom texts you. I am. Because, this all works because we were made in the image of God, and God loves relationships. And he's always lived in relationship and with relationships because, you know, he didn't need to create people in order to have relationships. Some people think that he created man because he wanted someone to talk to. But that is not at all the case. He created he, he already had the experience of relationship well before man was created because he has it in himself. He has it in the Father, the Son, the, the Trinity, you know. So when God created uh, 
us, he invited us into this invisible circle of relationship. And it feels good to be invited into a spe- something special like that. It's like getting initiated into a club. Anyone ever uh, in a sorority or a club of some sort? You were in the Crips? <laughs> well, my favorite club is the He-Man Woman Haters Club. You know that club? Honorary member, right? That's right. And that's from Calvin and Hobbes, and it's a great club, and obviously there was no girls allowed. Those are little rascals. It's, well, they have a, Calvin and Hobbes too, don't they? What's the club in Calvin and Hobbes? I think you're right. Is it? Well, I'm totally. You're totally right. Little rascals. He-man, woman. Well, Calvin and Hobbes has a fun one, too. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, God has invited us into relationship. And this is both exciting and challenging or scary. Um, but neither of those is reasons, the challenging or the scary part, is why God does it. Uh, it's because he desires for you to be happy. Happy. Which is funny. And Mar- it's, it's, are you looking it up? You're like testing me. So I was right. <laughs> I was right. You were wrong. And I want that to go up. No, no, no. Oh, I was. The He Man here. Okay, so. I was wrong, you were right, and all of Facebook needs to know that. Thank you, thank you, Nathan. So, God invites us into this club, this relationship, because he wants you to be happy. And that's, that's weird, because some, usually when preachers talk to you about God wanting you to be happy, they attach rich to that. Or they attach uh, other material situations or circumstances to that, and God wants you to be happy with nothing except him. He wants you to be so overwhelmed and excited by that relationship that it doesn't matter where you go, what you do, what's being done to you, you have a source of joy that is unbreakable. And it's like when you first get married. You guys are the most newly married in here. And look, they're still like holding hands. They're still so Twitter-pated in love. Never argue. They're just the picture of love. And in fact, I think that they, they are just, they could be living on the street and they wouldn't even be able to tell the difference because they'd be so happy with this relationship. The context that, that surrounds them is just joy. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> so God desires us to have that, to have that completeness, that fullness of joy, to be complete. And, um, if you aren't full of joy, you're not complete yet. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're not, if you don't have a wellspring of joy in your heart, then you're not where God wants you to be. And we all know this, and that's why everyone is trying to be happy, but we try to like skip around it, kind of. Oh, I am just bearing my cross for the Lord. That's why I'm unhappy in my marriage. No, you're unhappy in your marriage because you haven't yet connected with that wellspring of joy. You can be married to an awful person and still be happy. How, he's like, yep, happens. Julie's happy. Julie's happy. That's right. 
But the only way this can happen is through relationship. It's our one source of joy. And so let's kind of break down this, this little verses that we've read here, those first four verses, to just see how he gives this to us. He says here, that which was from the beginning. So the first thing John does is he recalls Genesis 1.1 and John, his gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. Both of them talk about the beginning and it talks about God. And so what we see very first is that God is the source. God is the source. He's the source of joy. He's the source of joy. Okay, then he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John instantly connects the eternal God that he just talked about, the beginning, the, the one who's eternal, with Jesus. And so John, he doesn't see two people when he thinks about God and Jesus. He sees how many people? One. He sees just one. And there's a huge lesson for us right there is that God the Father and God the Son are one. They are not two, but yet there are still kind of two people. And that's an amazing picture for us of koinonia fellowship. It's two people that can be and act as one. They can even represent each other. They're, they're like that. It's true unity. And they share, the, you know, he shares life and love. Uh, the father and the son do. Do you perfectly share life and love with the person you are sitting next to? Do you perfectly share life and love with anybody? Okay, well, let's think about that. Then John says that the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And here you see that us and the you thing. He's, he's inviting you guys into this relationship. And what relationship is it? What relationship is it? It's the relationship that the Father has with the Son. And he's saying, God is willing to share that relationship with you. He shared it with us. We walked around. We high-fived Jesus. We heard Jesus tell bad jokes. We did everything with Jesus. And he died for us, and now you are being invited into the same thing. And he says, we're writing this letter to bring you into that relationship. And I want you now to check out the connection and see how this is connected with John chapter 1. And I'm going to read you a couple of verses from John chapter 1 so that we can see how that's connected. Uh, the first couple of verses of John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So there you see the connection of Jesus with the eternal God, right? And then it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So we see that connection with his life. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John, in, as we're going to go through 1 John, he's, he's writing kind of like a, a poetic sermon. He's not giving you new information. He's not teaching us in 1 John anything new. In fact, he's going to say that. I'm not writing you new things. He's just kind of throwing things you know in your face and saying, what are you going to do with it? That's what he's doing. And, and he's not giving us any new information. He's just putting it in our face to make it personal 
And it's to say it's not just a story, it's not just an event, and it's not just us who, who knew Jesus. It's not a hero from long ago who lived, and now we all wear his t-shirts. It's, it's the greatest, most personal, most intimate, most in-your-face invitation that can ever be extended. Have you ever gotten an invitation to a party, and when you opened it, glitter went everywhere? It's so girly, right? <clears throat> it's the worst thing of all time because the glitter gets on you and in you and it's in everywhere and it's down your throat and it's just awful. I open my cards like this. But <laughs> Well, this invitation is like that except on steroids. It, it, it's, it's in your face. You, you, John wants you to be like, Really? What? I can have the same experience that the disciples had? It's crazy. It's, it's this fellowship, relationship, intimacy, openness, and unity with God. So he says, That which we have seen, which we have heard, we declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship, or koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he says that you may have fellowship with us and the Father and Jesus. So here's a question for you. Do you have koinonia with God and God's people? Now, I didn't ask if you have just koinonia with God. I, I assume you all know the Lord. And you're, if you don't know the Lord, you're getting there. But you, ha- you have koinonia with God, probably that close oneness. But do you have koinonia with God's people too? John, he makes this equality between loving God and and loving God's people. We're going to see that all throughout this letter. And he says, hmm, do you have koinonia with God and God's people? Are you one with God and his people? God called us friends. Jesus called us his friends. Are we acting like his friends? What would it be like if Jesus was standing here right now? How would you act? Jesus just walked in. What would you do? Give him a hug. Okay, that's a great... uh, I wouldn't get in your way. I think that would be fantastic. Literally, Jesus walks in. Glory and love you've known. You've been walking with Jesus. What would you do? It's just us. However few of us there are here, what, what would you do? None of us are standing in your way. Tell me. Run and hug him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? You would bow to him? Yeah. Okay. Showing what? What would that? In, in, like, in like sorrow or in happiness? In joy? Just like, I'm so happy. Oh, this is so great. Like that? Okay. What else? What else? What would you do? You would move Sandra's person. You'd ask him to sit down. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's great. So you want to be just have that closeness and... 
I, I wouldn't be teaching. <laughs> I would say, let me sit there and have Jesus come up here and teach. All right. He would watch that. Okay. <laughs> now, we just imagined Jesus being here. And so now I want you to think, wait a minute. He is here. He is here. Where is he? He is here, inside each and every one of us. Jesus has sent his life and his spirit to live in believers. So, are you loving believers like you would love Jesus? No one ran up to me. <laughs> well, I did. You did. You gave me a big hug. I, I agree. And I think that's the kind of the point of what we're... Yeah. Yes. The koinonia that we're being invited into, this club, is about the, the love we would have for Jesus. We, we can picture that. We, we can kind of wrap our, our brain around that, even our heart around that a little bit. It's, it's opening up that and putting everybody who believes in Jesus in that as well. That's what this means. Many of us struggle to love other believers because of their faults, Right? Well, I, I mean, I know they believe in Jesus, and so they're not going to hell, but I am not going to spend time with that person because they smell weird or they have hurt me in the past or any fault you want to you draw attention to. And are those faults untrue? No, that they are faults, absolutely. So many of us choose and struggle to love other believers because of their faults, but God invites us to love other believers because of his holiness and his holy sanctifying presence in them. In other words, God says, I have washed away all their faults. And you're like, no, you haven't. I still see their faults. They're still a jerk, and I'm still not going to hang out with them. And God is saying, I have washed them clean. They believe in me, so I have washed them clean. And so the invitation is here for us to love believers, not, not because they're faulty, not because of their mistakes, but because of his goodness. Do you see how the difference is there? In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to be, to be called to call them brethren. So in other words, Jesus is not ashamed of any one of his believers, not a single one of them. Can you say that about all the Christians in the world? That you are not ashamed of them? Hmm. Jesus, the reason Jesus is not ashamed is because he sees too much of himself in them. He sees in them his own spirit and life has been planted as a seed. And yes, it may not have come out yet and produced fruit yet, but he can see the seed. He knows where he's planted seeds in hearts. 
And yes, the, the terrain and the, the, the field may look rather rugged and there's maybe problems and we can see all that. But he sees his work. He sees him in them. He sees too much of himself. And so Jesus can walk around and not be ashamed with people. And he is happy with his bride. He's not disappointed or ashamed with any believer. I, th- I find that amazing. Because koinonia makes us happy. Koinonia makes us happy. He says at the very last part of, cha- of verse 4, he says, All these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Not that your joy might be growing, or your joy might be enough, or you may have some joy, but full And following the Lord is not about doing things for him, but about what he did for, or what he does for you. It must, that must be the focus, what he did for you. When we focus on what God, uh, on what we do for God, if if that's our focus and our heart, it is never enough. We run out of strength eventually, don't we? And then we burn out and we're, we're tired and we hurt people when we burn out. And that is not the way. The reason why God designed it that way is because he has established a different way for us to be happy. And it's not by our efforts to please him. It's by what he does for us. It's called the new covenant where Jesus does everything and so he gets the glory and not us. And he did that all by his blood. So I have a question. Can you add to Jesus' blood? What could you add to Jesus' blood? Nothing. We can't add anything to the work he's already did. He said what on the cross? It is finished. And this is how joy works. Our works, our efforts can't fill us with joy. You, you can have the sense of satisfaction, but it always fades. No, our works don't fill us with joy. Only a truly dependent relationship with Jesus can do that. Because this joy that we're talking about, that is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. In John chapter 1 again, the, what this is linked to, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory full of the only, uh, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full, there's that word full, full of grace and truth. And then he says a couple verses later, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for, gra- for grace. So what that means is that this gift of joy is given to the humbly dependent person who who humbly trusts Jesus. Um, The reason why Jesus can give it is because he's full of it. He's full of it. In Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 1, it says, he is anointed with the oil of gladness more than his companions. And that just means Jesus was the happiest person to ever live. And guess what? He still is. He's not up in heaven looking at you like, oh, gosh. Even though that's how we get with each other. Okay? So that's our encouragement for today, is that our, we have this invitation to this loving relationship with God and Jesus. 
And what it does is we have to open up those arms so that it includes every single one of us in here.